With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast, and I got to start, Ryan. I look around and I wonder, who's going to the big house this weekend? I am. No, 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 no. The big house on Blake. Oh. See what I'm doing there? The yeah. big house on Blake, the BSN Buffs podcast, always coming to you from the big house on Blake, the Blake Street Tavern. And here. it's going to be lit like, here on Saturday. This is the place to be if you're not actually going to the big house. Like, there's going to be 110,000 in the big house where I'll be, but you could be at least with like a 1,000 here, which is, I mean, probably pretty close to as many bus fans as I'll be partying with. Yeah, it'll probably be about the same. And, you know, uh, the line on this game is about 20 points, uh, 20 point spread so far. And if you're looking to bet on it, we've got the perfect place for you. That would be mybookie.lv. Football fans are absolutely flooding them online marketplace, looking for places to put their money down. And this is the pay- place for fast, no-hassle payouts. Uh, it's mybookie.lv. Uh, they have live player props, all of the player props, uh, in-game action. Basically, everything you would want from a sports book is here on mybookie.lv. Uh, and Let me just tell you, I think Buffs plus 20 is a heck of a good bet. And, just saying. And that's what I was trying to go into, and I was going to ask you about that in a second. But uh, if you put down a thousand, up to $1,000 today... You get an extra 10%, and they'll match you dollar for dollar. So not only $1,000 back if you put down a $1,000 deposit, they'll give you another 10%. So that's a lot of money, but that is when you enter the promo code BSN Denver. BSN Denver, it's the site you are currently on. So expert or rookie, you've got to check out mybookie.lv today. Um, but like I was going into, the buffs are... 20-point underdogs going to Michigan this week, and I want to get into this a lot, this podcast. This is going to be a very Michigan-driven podcast, but we've got to look back at what has led them to Michigan and why people have hope for them to cover this 20-point spread. We both agree that they're going to cover this 20-point spread. You basically just said it. I am out in saying that as well. So what has led you to believe over the first two games, Ryan Koningsberg, I'm Jake Shapiro, I don't think I have introduced us yet, um, to believe that they're going to cover this 20-point spread. You know, oftentimes when a college football team surprises people, there's one common theme you can look back to as this was the reason they surprised people. And so often that thing is experience. Uh, it's usually the senior, junior-laden teams that come out and surprise people. It's it's men playing against boys. I, I've said it before on this podcast, 23 22, 23-year-olds playing against 18- and 19-year-olds, it makes a big difference. Um, and Michigan lost a lot of experience in the offseason, kind of the same way Colorado will be doing after this season. It's one of those things that just always seems to prove true in college football. 
And obviously with the history of the Buffs that we know so well, especially in these last 10 years, it's easy to be cautious whenever projecting optimism. Now that I've seen this team get out on the field, they have that uh, togetherness, that organization that you see out of those teams with all that experience. And not to mention they have a swagger about them, that they believe they're good. And not only are they expecting to get within 20, they're expecting to win this game. It's, not, it's no longer where they get out there uh, and they put on their black and gold and they hope. They're out there. Not only do they hope, they believe they can win this game. But really, that experience, and like I've said last week, the ability to get yards easily against these teams, and, and maybe it'll be – actually, definitely, it'll be a lot tougher against Michigan. But I still believe mm. – this offense gives them a lot of opportunities to get into third and manageable, and I think anytime you can do that, especially with the defense on the other side of the ball, you'll be in a game. What they did against Idaho State in the first half, going seven, seven of eight of their first half drives were touchdowns, six of their last six, that is just sick. Uh, that is something they haven't done against any team for over the last few years. I know Idaho State is a, an inferior opponent, but they've played inferior opponents in the past, but they have not dominated teams like that in the past. And we've talked about the attitude – a little bit last week, and I talked about the attitude in my three things after the CSU game. But what I really noticed Saturday, you know, is that swagger. It's not just an attitude. It's a swagger. It's not a mentality change. They have a legitimate swagger about them, this football team. They carry this confidence wherever they are in Boulder, you know, whether it is on or off the field, you know, in and out of the community, on and off the practice field. These guys have a different mentality about them than they've had the last few years. Yeah, it almost felt like for a long time they were walking around with their tails between their legs. And like they were scared to see fans because they'd get criticized. Or right, something. right. Now they're out there like, what's up? Like, you know who it is. Um, you don't have to ask. And we're not going to be the subject of criticism because we're real. Uh, and all these things, you know, they really matter when it comes to college football. How, you know, how the quarterback carries himself uh, off the field, how – you know, everyone uh, feels when they walk around on campus. That's the stuff that ma- like it matters so much more in college than it does in the pros. In the pros, those guys are pros. You know, in, in every sense of the word, they are professional football players. These guys, I mean, they're still kids, and so many things can affect them. That kind of swagger that they carry around with them, it, it, it's not just on the field. It's not just like, we're the buffs. We have the best uniforms in college football. We look good. It's walking around campus and feeling like you're the man and right now they do feel like that yeah and they have good reason to think that after the first two games you know they've outscored their opponents 100 to 14 which is just ridiculous Uh, I know they've played two terrible teams but they've taken care of business and what more could you have asked for in those first two games you know there was some fumble issues in the first game and the second game the second unit maybe wasn't as sharp as the first unit but yet again Idaho State only scored points in that game because of a fumble, and Idaho State only got, I think, four or five first downs in the entire game, whether it was the first or second team unit. So you're looking at a team that's a lot deeper than I even gave them credit for on defense. Offense, maybe there's some holes there, especially on the offensive line. You saw Montez feeling some pressure sometimes against a team like Idaho State, which is concerning. But overall, you know, they've gotten an A-plus by my scale uh, throughout their first two games. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can find much to criticize. Um, I know a lot of people thought Sefo could have been better in game one. He probably could have been better in game two. Um, I think 
I liked what I saw from the offensive coordinator, um, Brian Lindgren, who was calling the plays. He basically said, we're going to keep calling long bombs to Shea Fields until you throw it right. Uh, and it was kind of good work for him because, really, there's no defense for a perfect throw on that deep ball uh, with Shea Fields. You know, as talented as Michigan is, Shea Fields is going to be open deep. Uh, and I think, you know, a big key is going to be connecting on that pass. So, Sefo could be a little better, but, man, that, that's really, really nitpicking for you to try and find something when it comes to uh, their performance thus far. Uh, Sefo's been terrific. Right. You I know, mean, I know Will criticized him last week, and he's not here for a take this week on whatever. I don't know what it would be if he was for or against Sefo, but... Against Idaho State, he was just about as good as he could be. He missed a few deep balls early, and then he threaded the needle. Like you said, he started throw- they kept calling the pass, and then he started threading the needle, and it, w- it looked fine. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, a, he's this team's leader, and it's unquestioned, and they all believe in him. And I think that, above all, is the most important thing right now. Like, you can nitpick, throw here, throw there, but this guy – is the key to this team and everyone in in that locker room believes in him and really i've been saying that for so long that's all it really it's but, really all that matters to me because he is good enough like sefo lufau can make the necessary plays to help them win games but to me something's different this year with him it, it's there's more attitude more swagger more respect garnered when he walks through the locker room the halls whatever it's he is a different you know maybe we haven't seen it on the field he's he, he probably a touch better on the field than he has been throughout his college career. It hasn't been a huge jump, but there is something about the way he is carrying himself that leads me to believe that he is the guy that can lead the Buffs to a bowl game. I think he's kind of become more of one of the guys. You know, so many quarterbacks, uh, you know, whether I mean, he's a film junkie, he's a football junkie. Um, he has a lot of different things that he's juggling. He's a student. He's a very good student. I think this season he made a bit more of a commitment to being one of the guys, you know, hanging out with the guys on Saturday night, um, whether play, whether it's playing video games or going to the walrus, like whatever it is, he's made a commitment to being one of the teammates and not just being the quarterback who leads on the field and then goes home and, and kind of does his own thing and locks in and, and gets his work done. He's, I really think he has earned the respect of his teammates. And I'll, I'll give this example. Uh, after the game the other night, he goes out and he buys his entire offensive line dinner after the game. Like those are the little things that take you from one step to another. And I thought I thought that was really cool when I heard that. It's not like Sefo's rolling in the dough. He's not Peyton Manning, who's like, yeah, I get I get paid twenty million dollars a year. Like I can take my guys out. Like he gets the same amount of money as they do every month um, for their stipends, and he goes out and spends you know over a hundred dollars to feed a, a huge group of of linemen. I think that's pretty awesome. No doubt. And you know what's also awesome? The Colorado Keg House. It is the home for Colorado Craft Beer off 36 and Wadsworth, right next to the Broomfield Event Center. Nitro, Al's, IPAs, ciders, all of the different kinds of beers. They have it there. So hit the Colorado Keg House. And if you can't make it all the way down to Blake Street on Saturday, that place has 30 different TVs in there, TVs surrounded surrounding you you know you're not surrounding the tv the tvs are surrounding you huge difference at a sports bar so that's a good place to go check out the game saturday kind of like us right now here down in the underground social i mean one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve tvs i can see from where i'm sitting and there's plenty more not facing us 
and all of them are on hockey, which is good for me. But <laughs> anyways, we're going to come back, and we're going to go all Michigan pretty much. We have the Colorado Safe Outlet question of the week, which we threw out on Twitter. We have some stuff from All Buffs with the, that we've been researching. Uh, we have some updates on tailgates. We have a lot of stuff, all Michigan-driven. So stay tuned for the rest of the BSN Buffs podcast. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tee time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. They've carried a fine list of award-winning strains since 2009, and they now carry Colorado's largest selection of edibles. You'll find other things like Apothecana Oils and Creams, Marcaha Oral Tinctures, and Charlotte's Web CBD. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. We're conveniently located off of I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Welcome back to the BSN Buffs podcast, which is coming to you from the underground social portion of the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, we haven't actually done a podcast down here, but it's vibey. I like it's, it down Yeah, here. this it's, is one of my favorite. Actually... If I come here for pleasure, which actually is every time I come here, if I come here to get drunk, this is where I come. Like, uh, everyone knows that I hold it down on Papa Shot, and this is where the Papa Shot lies. Um, You've beat several current CU athletes at Papa Shot. I have. I wish we could do, like, a little segment on the podcast, like a little video that goes below the podcast of me, like, duking it out with our guests. Um, once we have more guests, we can maybe do that. But it's great down here. Um, I really failed on Fortnite. Right now this on week. the TV, they're showing the Miracle of Michigan, which is pretty cool on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, and it's caught. Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. <laughs> as, uh, and, and as we uh, – Colorado's trolled Michigan a little bit on Twitter, and we're going to get to that in a second. But we've been using Tupac a little bit on the podcast today. I just wanted to shout out to that because it's been a while uh, – you know, since he, well, he's, it's been a while since he died, but, you know, obviously recognition, great musician. Me and Ryan are huge fans of music. I'm a huge fan of art, and Tupac is a legendary artist, so, you know, a shout-out to that. And I also wanted to shout-out this. Three years ago today was the Boulder Flood, uh, which was a really interesting experience. Ryan and I were both in college at that point, and while we were in college, <laughs> they're showing the depth chart on Sports Center right now, but I want to hold it down. <laughs> But while we were in college, because for me, I was a freshman and I was the only Boulder native in my dorm. So I was like trying to explain to people like that it never rained in Boulder. And everyone was like, no, it's raining like literally every day. I'm like, that's a problem. Like, it's going to be a problem. And then, you know, it obviously turns into a problem. But I got to say, the first night of the Boulder flood was one of the most fun nights of my college life because I was just so ignorant. I didn't really realize what was going on. And like. All of campus was flooding. Everyone was out. Like, everyone was about. It was honestly amazing. And then, you know, the next morning you kind of wake up. I call my parents. They had a house on Arapaho with with a property on the creek. And you're like, 
oh, God, like, what is going on? And, like, when is this going to stop? This needs to stop. This needs to stop immediately. And, like, the following days, it was just kind of crazy, all the stuff that happened. Uh, I know, Ryan, you, you also had an experience with the flood. But it was, like, honestly, like, I'm so glad I was in Boulder and got to experience it. Obviously, terrible, and I never wished it upon Boulder. But I'm glad that I got to experience it because it definitely opened my eyes to, like, the community and different things like that. No, absolutely. It was one of those moments um, that brings everyone closer. You know, it's uh, it's just one of those things that can kind of unite a community. Um, And I remember the Buffs went out in the community and were helping clean up, um, really just going around town and looking to see who needed help, um, helping people lift things that were, you know, um, trashed and broken and um, it was really just, it was a, a, a crazy time. I remember um, uh, kind of like you, that first night of the flood was actually, you know, a good time for me. It was crazy. Like, it was raining enough where, like, there was water in the streets that we were, like, walking around and just barefoot. Like, whoa, this is crazy. There's a picture of me on the corner of Colorado and 28th and four, foot of wa- four feet of water. Yeah, no, I yeah. mean, this was before kind of that, but I just remember thinking, like, this is fun, like, this is cool, and then got got on Twitter, started seeing that houses were going down, and it, it became sombering very quickly, but I, I mean, one of the biggest parts of that memory to me was the fact that the Colorado-Fresno State game got canceled, and that was actually the last time Colorado was 2-0, and I believe, they were heading into that game 2-0, and um, I was I was out walking around town just kind of seeing how things were, like, in a tank top. And Adam Munster-Tiger called me. and was like, hey, they just called a press conference to cancel the game. Like, can you go? So I, like, I went to – Because Adam couldn't get to the press right, conference. Right, everyone was blocked 36, out of Boulder. Right. Yeah. So I had to go to this press conference in just a tank top and shorts, and, like, Yogi Roth was there. And, yeah, it was kind of awkward. Like, Rick George was there. But I explained to them that I was just out for a run when it happened. So, Yeah. That was definitely surreal, and I remember walking down um, Colorado or 17th and seeing all these Fresno State fans that were in town, and like I'm like, sorry, right? Like, what are you supposed to do? Uh, talk about the Michigan game in a second, but I got to tell you about mybookie.lv. It's that time of year again, and we have a new opportunity for you to make some serious cash while watching football. Maybe even this Saturday or Sunday or Thursday night when they have football games as well, which is tonight because this podcast is on Thursday morning. The site is called MyBookie.LV, and thousands of experts and rookies are playing and winning big there. They offer real Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best thing about MyBookie.LV is the fast, no-hassle payouts when you win. Join now, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Get an extra 10% bonus on top of that when you sign up uh, and deposit today. Make sure you use promo code BSNDenver to activate the offer. Promo code BSNDenver. Expert or rookie, you got to check out mybookie.lv. You know, as we're sitting down here in the underground social, they have ESPN on all the screens, and they just showed what I was going to bring up from All Buffs. There's an All Buffs thread right now um, about the Twitter exchange that went on between CU and Michigan today. It started with CU releasing a depth chart. Ha ha. That was uh, fake and didn't have any of their players. Sefa Lufau had been replaced by Elmer Fudd at quarterback. Bill Walton was in there. Uh, the Hanson triplets were in there. You, you probably saw it. I don't need to go any further. Uh, and then the Colorado and Michigan team accounts shot some gifts back and forth at each other at Twitter because that's hilarious. Uh, and then the people on All Buffs all thought this was hilarious. And uh, Ryan, as someone 
who actually knows what funny is, <laughs> was this worth this type of attention where it's front page or not front page, the first A block on Sports Center where they're breaking down the Buffs depth chart and they're going, oh my God, this is hilarious on all Buffs and all of Twitter is in Rampage. Team Stream's sending you notifications that this is the funniest thing that's happened. Was this worth it? I hate myself for this take because I just feel like I'm always like shitting on things that turn out to be good for CU. Like this was great publicity for them. Everyone in the country was talking about it today somehow, but it wasn't like it wasn't funny to me, not even a little bit. Um, it was the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning because it was dominating my entire Twitter feed, and I wanted to think it was funny, but it's. It's just not funny to me. Like I don't. That's just. I guess that's just not my sense of humor. Um, uh, I don't know. I like. I didn't even get the slightest chuckle about it. And then I get a notification from Team Stream that quote Colorado and Michigan go back and forth on Twitter exchanging gifts. And I was like, oh, maybe this will be a little more funny. But as all team to team interactions, at least ninety nine percent of team to team interactions are, it also wasn't funny. And that got a lot of publicity for CU, so I I simply can't. I just can't. Do you, do you think some of the magic, like, I guess it would be magic for fans or whatever, is, like, removed for us? Because, like, I know the guy that runs the Rockies' Twitter. Like, I know the guy that runs the Buffs' Twitter. Like, it's just a guy And they're good me. people. Like, right. I love the people who run the Buffs' Twitter. And I, and I think Dave Platty, he was obviously a genius for this idea because it went viral. So, like, I'm not hating I'm just saying, personally, it, w- it like it wasn't even the slightest bit funny to me. Do you think it's not funny though because we know like how the inside works, or do you think it's just not funny because we actually have a good sense of humor? Because <laughs> I'm 100 percent in agreement with you. I don't know. I'd like maybe it was like beyond millennials. Like, I, I, like a lot of the names I didn't even know on there. Um, I I really don't know. I, I'm like trying the, not like to be the a most dick current here. movie star on there was like Adam Sandler. <laughs> Like Adam Sandler is not I relevant to Sandler. us, but I don't know, dude. I like I said, I'm at a loss for words because I really, I I like I I'm trying to applaud them. Like I want to applaud them because they just got on Sports Center. Actually, for like they <laughs> just of recruiting. Like, <laughs> they just put like a fake, a fake Twitter. I mean, a fake depth chart out, and it like, it like broke Twitter. I don't know, man. I. I'm at I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. I mean, like for me, like that could have been funny. It's all about the format. I'm a big format guy. Uh, the 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 saying, you know, like it's all about the format and different types of media, hot and cold media, and stuff like that. But basically, like when I break down what's funny on Twitter, I go to like the key mans, as we call him, Brandon Wardell. Like he is the king of Twitter and comedy on Twitter for us because he understands the form so well. And the genius of it is that he breaks down that form and expands on it and makes it into something new every single time he types into that box. Whereas what the buffs did seemed so forced, forced, forced to be the right word. Okay. That's like the number one thing for humor for me. And I think it's stupid that we've even gone this far breaking down what we think is funny because so many people thought it was funny that what we think really doesn't matter. But like if uh, the funniest stuff to me, even if it, even if you did have to try hard on it, it looks like you didn't. And obviously like you had to put a lot of work into this and that's why the genius, like the, the payoff for Dave Platty who put that together it has to be great because I'm sure you did actually really did put a lot of work into that, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't. Um, 
It didn't tickle my fancy. All right, now breaking down the actual <laughs> game instead of a Twitter game. Um, you know, All Buffs is so excited about this game that <laughs> there's literally a thread right now. We don't have enough Michigan thread posts, so here's another one. And the first comment is, F yeah, we gonna win. Um, <laughs> which is great. Um, but, like, people are legitimately, legitimately excited about this game. This is the first game I remember, like, people getting this excited about for a long time. When do you think the last time people were, like, this excited about a Colorado football game? Excitement is hard to quantify because I think a lot of people were really excited about that Hawaii game last year, but it was empty excitement. Like, it was just like a, oh, God, please let us be good excitement. Kind of the way it is at the, at the beginning of every season. This is, like, real deep-rooted, like, I think we can win excitement. And that is a different type of excitement from the fans. And really excitement that uh, makes, like, it, it brings the utmost joy to my heart to see CU fans rallying around a team like this. And that's, like, a big part of this. This team is so easy to like. Sefo Lufau is so easy to like. Uh, They're starting running back, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay, the easiest to like. Derek McCartney, so easy to like. Across the board, these are good dudes, and they're like, you know, they've been through it. Like, they've been through the deepest depths of the fire, and now they're coming out of it like a phoenix. And for that to culminate, like, all, if they were to be able to win this game, uh, would be absolutely incredible to, to really witness a team rise from the ashes like that. Second time we've referenced Phoenixes in the last few days, me and you talking. Um, Don't remember. <laughs> was that half fast? Anyways, uh, my point being uh, that I'm, like, really excited for you. Like, like, I'm so excited for you that you get to go to this game. Like, I am, like, that's how excited I am about this game. Like, I'm personally, like, I'm going to just let it out. I have a bar mitzvah on Saturday. It's like you at that wedding last year, like, I'm kind of screwed for Saturday. If the Buffs win, I am going to be like this, like kind of like sad in a way because like I'm going to miss the biggest win in 20 years. But like I am so excited for you that you get like the opportunity. You've never been to Michigan. You've never been to the Big House. And I think a lot of Buffs fans are like that. They've never seen a game at the Big House. A lot of people are going to see that game at the Big House. A lot of people are going to see a Colorado play on a big stage, which is something they haven't done in a while. Like there are so many like ups here like upvotes or whatever you want to call it. like there's just so many positives going into this game like uh that they'd really need to like screw it up to be disappointed in my opinion yeah and just a little background here like when they booked this game it was like the greatest thing ever for me because i was like oh my god i'm gonna get to go to the big house like that's something i've been wanting to do since i was probably 10 years old no doubt um, and kind of as it rolled around and i moved a beats over to the uh, broncos beat um, and I'm trying to, like, be an adult and save money. Wasn't exactly in the cards for me anymore. Uh, and one of our good friends, a great friend of the program, Tyler Murray, came through and uh, helped a brother out, and he said, quote, we're not going without you. Uh, and he kind of latched on, to, uh, took me under his wing. Wow. And <laughs> took me under his wing and taken me along. So I'm, I literally, like, am forever indebted to him for that. But uh, – the way that this, the hype is around this game, uh, it, it's, it's like a nostalgic, like it, it almost brings me back to my childhood uh, of when there was actual real excitement around CU every year. Uh, and it's, it's just amazing. It's, it's amazing to see. And I, I really hope that they can respond. And, and like you said, it, to me, it doesn't have to be 
a win. Um, and I know I talked about this with you earlier about there's no such thing as a moral victory anymore, and I truly believe that. But just to keep this momentum ball rolling and keep the fans attached and believing in these boys, I just think they have to keep it close. Uh, if they go out there, put a good performance on the field, and keep it close, and I, I, I think they, that this keeps going and everyone feels happy. Everyone feels at peace. That's not a moral victory to me. I don't think you can – it's too late for moral victories. But there's something to be said about putting enough out there that the fans don't feel like they got their hopes up and you just absolutely tore their heart out from the beginning of the, from the, beginning of the game. See, to me, that is a moral victory, and that's why I'm going to write something about that this week and just kind of that thought process. But I want another shout-out to Tyler Murray. He graciously invited me to his tailgate. Uh, I know he invites a lot of people to his tailgates, and if you ever get invited to a Tyler Murray tailgate, go – uh, because it is classic chicken fingers or chicken tenders and cores. Uh, is there a difference between chicken fingers and chicken tenders? Is there a difference between ch- boneless chicken wings, chicken fingers, and chicken tenders? Uh, no, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders <laughs> dipped in a lot of sauce. Exactly. Uh, which I, I don't think have a chicken with fingers it. are like um, like crappy chicken that's all just like mashed together, whereas mm. chicken tenders are just like chunks of chicken that are deep fried. Okay. Well, keep that Similar to boneless wings. What do you? Uh, I know you're going to tailgate Saturday. Any uh, thoughts on the food and the the, the libations? I uh, yeah, I'm mostly planning a liquid tailgate. Um, I don't really have any plans. Other, I, I'm kind of like I'm out of the loop here because I wasn't there for the planning stage of this. Tyler Murray literally dropped this on me mid second quarter of the Idaho State game this last week. So like I'm still catching up. I was like, wait, where are we staying? Like, do I need to like? How do I get there? All this stuff. He's just like, well, we're just taking an Uber from the airport. Um, so I'm kind of out of the loop here. I'm just like going to pack up. I'm going directly when I when my flight lands. I'm going directly from DIA to Mile High for the Broncos game. So like it's kind On of just Sunday, like, yeah. get in, get out, go along for the ride and enjoy the hell out of it type of thing. The ride. You're not the rise. You're the ride. The ride. Hashtag the ride. <laughs> that should be your hashtag this weekend. That'd be I'm going, re- I'm going back bad. to road buffs. Like, I get to be a road buff again. Dude, I loved hashtag road buffs when we were in Vegas. That's a fun hashtag. Oh, yeah. Um, because, like, road buffs isn't just a hashtag. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> like, I can't explain it because uh, – I, well, I couldn't explain it until I went to Vegas. But the mentality, and this is what it's going to be like the, for this weekend in Michigan because so many Buffs fans are going, of when you're around – that many Colorado people in not in Colorado. State. It's one of the coolest things ever. Like going, uh, like when we went to the pool at Mandalay Bay, Mandalay Bay with mm-hmm. Taylor and Tyler Murray and all these different guys. Sky. Like, Sky. And we ran into just different Colorado fans and stuff. It's like, it's such a pack. Like it, it's such a family. And we've talked about it before. Like the people at BSN, there's a lot of different CU guys at BSN. We really do stick together like family. And it's this really cool thing when people, when you go out on the road and you're not in Boulder, just that mentality of everyone being excited for those games and wanting to cheer on the buffs. It's, it's really hard not to like, just start like falling in love. Yeah. My heart is racing over here. Just thinking about it. I kind of want to print shirts. Hashtag road buffs is or road buffs. Isn't a hashtag. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> hashtag road buffs. Isn't, <laughs> isn't a hashtag. It's a, it's a lifestyle. Um, but you know, more, more about the game and less about the mentality and different things like that. 
we talk about the score. It's a 20-point spread. We both think they're going to cover that. I, I want to go to straight to your prediction because I just kind of want to break that down. What Do you have a prediction on the game yet? or not? Even, you don't have to have a score prediction. You can just kind of ballpark it. Yeah, uh, friend of the program, Ted Chalfin, maybe more. Uh, we, we can say it. He's, he's a member at VSN Buffs now, Ted Chalfin. Part of the squad, Ted Chalfin, uh, asked me earlier in the week what my prediction was. And... I went with 27 to 20 Michigan, um, and I, I really do believe the Buffs have a good chance to win this game. Uh, I think the defense stands up. I think holding Michigan to 27 points is going to be a, a valiant performance from that defense. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's just in such a hostile environment. There isn't an environment like this in the Pac-12. Um, so these guys, are, like I said, they've been thrown through the fire. They've been the bottom of the coals. They've never seen 110,000 people, like, this is the big house. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I kind of look back to maybe. It's the difference between going to the sink to the Blake Street Tavern. It's a whole different <laughs> ball game. Exactly. Like everyone, you know, you've been in the sink. It's there's That's not where, you know, it's just college kids. You come to the Blake Street Tavern, this is where the big boys play ball. Uh, I, I kind of equate it back to when the basketball team went to Allen Fieldhouse for the first time. And, like, those dudes walked in there uh, like – a, thou- a thousand ghosts just ran through them. It looked like they were shocked. They were dead and they were deer in the headlights. Like, I just worry about that, and I don't think it's going to affect them throughout the whole game. I just worry about the first quarter. See, I worry about that, and the other thing I worry about in this game is that the Buffs' offense is moving so quick. What happens when they get three and outs? Because they haven't really gotten many three and outs because what happens when they get three and outs, all of a sudden their defense is going to be on the field for a while if they're moving the offense that quick again. You have to be able to run the ball, and I, I think they have an opportunity to do that, uh, especially with this pace and with the talent of backs they have. But Michigan is no joke up front. I mean, uh, those boys on the offensive line have their work cut out for them. And – it's going to be a game of will. I mean, it really is for them. Like, they're going to be slightly out-talented on that offensive line against that defensive line, and it's just going to have to be will. It's going to have to be, I'm going to beat you on this play based on how much more I want it than you. I mean, it's those class. It's that classic saying of corn-fed kids. Those kids at Michigan, those offensive linemen are corn-fed kids. Those are Midwestern, hardy offensive linemen. Those are, that's a different breed of offensive linemen, let me tell you. I remember um, when I was a kid, my grandma, I was, I was sitting down with my grandma and grandpa to watch the Rocky Mountain Showdown. And my grandma said that same thing about CSU. And this was, when C, this was in their glory days. You know, CSU was ranked like 15th at the time. She was like, those are, those are corn-fed farm boys. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I had no, she's like, you know, they're out there working on the farm. And I was like, well, what makes that better than just working in the weight room? Like, I just yeah, I had such a hard time understanding <laughs> the, the kind of metaphor there, but it's true. Um, I didn't understand it till I played Strasburg in baseball. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, everyone's a foot and a half taller than me and 200 pounds heavier than me. Yeah, it's just country strong. Um, and, and I think there's something to be said just about mid, mid, the Midwest. Like, they just make them bigger out there. I don't know what it, it is. It didn't help me, buddy. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh but I, my score prediction for the game was, I think, 28-17, something like that. I, for me, I think the Buffs are really going to have a day on defense. I think they're going to – holding Michigan to 28 points on their field at defense, one touchdown per quarter, I think that's a success. I don't think the offense – I think they've played such inferior uh, opponents so far. We haven't really seen them. 
uh, in that Colorado State rush defense was so bad, the Idaho State Bengals defense in general was so bad. I really don't know how they're going to react when they're hit in the mouth and actually face some good defense. Loki, I thought at certain points Idaho State's defense was better than CSU's. I thought Idaho State played better stretches than CSU did. Their first quarter their was better than CSU's. Their, their quarterback might have been better, too. <laughs> he was a live human. <laughs> uh, confirmed. But before we uh, – well, we're going to take a break right now uh, so we can break these up and come back uh, because I want to talk about the Colorado Safe Outlet question of the week, another thing from our contributor, uh, Todd Chalfin. And uh, we've got some more stuff. The, we're going to breeze past Tad. But we're going to come to Tad Boyle's recruiting weekend at the end. Uh, we're also going to talk Can about. Can you the, imagine if we let off this podcast talking basketball recruiting? Somebody would be very upset. Um, we're going to talk about the Pac-12 in general, and I want to uh, talk about maybe Idaho State beating Oregon State this weekend. Could it happen? We'll find out when we come back on the BSN Buffs podcast. Jackson's Hole opened in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. There's 65 and 70-inch TVs everywhere. The food is still amazing, and there's almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. By staying at the forefront of cannabis genetics, cultivation, and quality control, the clinic provides the best cannabis you'll find. And with 50 awards, they've won more than any other dispensary in Colorado. There's also a brand new clinic location right next to the Colorado Light Rail Station. And if you bring in a ticket from the game, they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. Seriously, check them out. Go to the new location off Colorado or go to theclinickcolorado.com. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, well, not live. I always say live, but it's not live. But let me tell you this. If you're coming from south of downtown up to downtown, stop off at the Lincoln Light Rail Station. Hit the Clock Tower Grill. It is the perfect place to get your pregame on. $3 Long Islands on Monday, 75-cent wings on Wednesday, $3 shots on Friday. It's such a good deal, in fact, that I have, abs- I have actually memorized it. Uh, I have not used a read for it in multiple weeks. So, uh, yes, hit the clock tower grill. Get your pregame on there. Yeah, it's a legit spot. I said coming out of the last break that Idaho State might beat Oregon State. Is that going to happen, Ryan Gunningsberg? They've got they're, – they're giving 31 points, and you might be able to talk about that, but, I mean – like, tell me a play that or- the Idaho State made. They recovered a fumble. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They they simply can't make enough plays to beat uh, a Pac-12 team as bad as Oregon State might be. I honestly think they probably still cover that spread. You know, I'm gonna go with my man John Raheem Peoples and say that they that they uh that uh, they're going to cover the spread, that the Idaho State Bengals are going to cover the spread. Maybe you can throw a little something down on my LV. You know what? That's going to be the BSN Buffs bet of the week is uh, <laughs> me versus you on that one. All right. But uh, this leads me into the rest of the Pac-12, which has been absolutely garbage. Uh, Arizona almost lost a grambling state this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I was talking with a few of the players on Saturday night just a, we're kind of you know scrolling through the channels and watching some of the games and I think there's a definite feeling that the Pac-12 is ripe for the taking and maybe you know these guys truly believe 
that they can win a Pac-12 championship. But even if it's not that far, it just it's a big reason why, to me, the Buffaloes really have a chance to go to a bowl game this season. Uh, there's just not that many teams that are great. And I think aside from Stanford and Washington, everything below that is a team that, under the right circumstances, the Buffs could beat. And I, you said this before our first our, our first season podcast on the, our preseason podcast, so to speak, because that's what it was. That someone has to win these games on the buff schedule, and the way it's looking, these Pac-12 teams are going to struggle to win games in the Pac-12. Let alone if it's against Stanford, Stanford, not Stanford, Stanford or Colorado. Right. Um, there's a lot like Grambling. This is Grambling State. It's Grambling State. Like. Great band, but football team lacking in many categories. And was Grambling the st- state the team that gave up their football program at one point and like <laughs> lost that game like two hundred and eighty three to three? I think you're thinking of UAB. No, 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 no. This was like in like the nineteen twenties. Uh, like they were for the NCAA forced them to play a game, and it's like the mo- largest lopsided score in football history because they had already disbanded their football program, so they literally just found a bunch of students that would go and play a game. It might have been Grambling State. I'm not exactly sure. It could have been. Um, we're kind of grambling on here, though. But Great song by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> uh, it's funny because, you know, I was sitting in the, in the Broncos media room the other day, and uh, people are going to hate to hear this, but, you know, I decided to keep my mouth shut, and I just wanted to listen in on the conversation as one media member read off the games, and two or three other guys were – responding with whether or not they were going to win or lose. And it was funny to see because I just feel like the names were getting in the heads of the people answering these questions. You know, you don't – I don't necessarily know how much college football these people are watching. So when one guy reads off Arizona, a bunch of guys go, loss. And it's like all they know is that Arizona has been a bit of a resurgent program underneath Rich Rod. But – when you watch these teams and you actually watch the game, there's no way you can convince me that, like, Arizona is an L on the schedule. Um, even Arizona State, who, like, went absolutely bananas the other night, and Kalen Bellage had a barrage of touchdowns. Should have got that kid. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> Got to be that guy. Uh, you know, even they looked very underwhelming in their first game against Northern Arizona. Uh, Could so- you imagine the buffs with Kalen Bellage and Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, they would. I mean, <laughs> we would be. They might be favorites this weekend. <laughs> um, but it's just interesting to see uh, the Pac-12 really down in the dumps this season. I mean, USC was supposed to be the pride of the conference, and like they got curb stomped by Alabama. They got curbed as bad as Drake got curbed by Rihanna. I think you're thinking of curved. I think it's no. I'm pretty sure it's curbed. I think it's curved, Jake. We're gonna have to look this up. This is like the facade debate. <laughs> you should. You, I feel like you should know more about getting curved than me. It's curved, and that's why <laughs> I know. Um, anyways, you mentioned this in passing uh, that you were with some of the players Saturday night. Um, I don't want to name drop for you, but you told me about some of the conversations you had leading up to the podcast, so we could prepare for the podcast. And it was really good conversations to the point where I want you to share the conversation you had with some of these players because uh, 
it was something that was really unique for you and unique for anyone that's kind of in our position. Right, yeah, I, I would definitely describe it as a unique opportunity that I got on Saturday night um, to spend time with not only a couple of players but with their families, um, mainly Cepho Lufau, uh, Derek McCartney, and Diego Gonzalez. And it was just a really, really special thing to sit down there and kind of be a little bit removed from the beat so they don't feel like, you know, oh, I'm going to have to go sit in front of this guy at a press conference tomorrow. And I felt like it gave me an opportunity to really get to know these guys and these families on a deeper level. Um, you know, it starts with me talking to Diego's dad and Diego's translating to me and we're talking about this and that. And, you know, uh, I'm trying to do a little bit of Spanish here and there, but they're just kind of laughing at me. It was really cool to just kind of um, see Diego do that and, it was actually his birthday, so that's kind of why everyone was getting together. Uh, but really the highlight for me was I, I got to sit, sit down with Sefo, uh and his mom and dad and just learn really a lot about Sefo Lufau, the person. And it was funny because early in the conversation, Sefo's asking me, you know, how's covering the Broncos? What's it like covering Simeon? And I'm describing Simeon. I'm like, well, he's kind of stoic when, we, when you put cameras and recorders in his face. But when you get him off – uh, you know, in the locker room, he's a really cool guy. And as I'm saying this, I realize I'm, I'm describing Sefo Lufau. And I, you know, I'm like, oh, you kind of know what that's like. And it was just, it, you know, it was, it was funny to be able to talk with him openly from my side of things and hear from his side of things. Uh, and it culminated in basically me sitting down with Sefo's dad for almost an hour um, and learning kind of about what has brought Sefo to this point? What has built Sefo? You know, hearing stories about uh, his uncle Jack, which was, of course, the throw in Samoan. Um, but one of the key parts of our conversation is Joe telling me that about the Lufau family in Samoa and how it's so revered out there. And all of a sudden, um, Colorado football, and they see Sefo Lufau leading the team and blowing, you know, Colorado State out on ESPN. And all of a sudden, all these kids out there are like, whoa, like, what? Colorado football like this looks cool and you know the uniforms are awesome and basically he told me that you know the way this coaching staff um, has handled things uh, they really respect and the way they love this community like they're going to try and send every person they can to the University of Colorado I, I, I it was really really cool talking to him about that talking to him about you know Cepho always says my I got my toughness from my dad. And so I said to his dad, where'd you get your toughness from? And he's telling me these stories of, you know, old military basketball games. Of course he was, he was in the military and, you know, just the, the absolute toughness of it. No one calls fouls. And so when Cepho comes in there and starts playing uh, in sixth grade, he's, his dad tells him, don't you dare call a foul. If I ever need to call a foul, I will call the foul for you. Uh, and so Cepho's getting beat up like the rest of these guys out there in sixth grade and learning, you know, you scrape your knee, you get thrown into a wall, like you get right back up. He told me there was just one time ever Cepho crossed up one of his dudes going to the rack and the guy grabbed him by his neck and ripped his shirt. He said, and Joe told me that's the one time I ever called a foul. And I, you know, I had to tell the guy, if you ever do that again to my son, we're going to have issues. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't want to tell everything, and maybe one day I'll write something about that conversation I had because it goes much deeper uh, than what I, what, what I can share here. But just a truly special opportunity to kind of get uh, a different perspective on these guys, a different perspective on the family that's raised Cepho. Uh, his mom and dad are both great people. His brother, as you might have seen on Twitter, is a big fan of the show, 
and he's probably listening right now. One, I'm one of the biggest Buff fans in the world. Literally and figuratively. He's ginormous. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's bigger he's than got, his brother, oh, yeah, I think. Yeah he's, he, yeah, he's much bigger than Cepho. Uh, but just a really cool family, a really special opportunity for me. Uh, and you see what has built the man and the leader that Cepho Lufau is. Speaking of big, the Colorado Safe Outlet question of the week is, this Saturday is the biggest CU game since, uh, which was written by, this question was written by the Ghost of Marv on Twitter, which is Ted Chalfin, who is a new employee of bsnbuffs.com. They're employing ghosts now. They're employing ghosts. Uh, speaking of ghosts earlier in the show with Kansas. Um, but, no, he's Ted's a really terrific writer. He has amazing takes and... Uh, thinks about things a lot differently. He's a bolder kid, too. Went to Fairview, so Ryan likes that. Hey, by uh, the way, he went, nine years in a row, Boulder over, Fairview over Boulder. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, and I wore my Boulder sweatshirt. Set. I don't know if you even noticed that. I wore my Boulder sweatshirt after the game the next day when I saw you. Boulder is invisible to me. God, like Ted, he was a ghost. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we asked the question, is Saturday's the biggest CU game since? Question mark. Our own Matt Cisneros said, nom. Ted himself said, Texas 2008. Jace Kinney, friend of the podcast, said, Nebraska 2007. Chet Smith, biggest game since 2001 against NU. Um, Matt T, last week, T-Unit, since they lost to Hawaii last year. Ryan, uh, your take on their takes and maybe your take Well, let me first say that if you're not following Ted at the Ghost of Marv on Twitter, you are certainly missing out because, like, more often than not, I would say, he puts out tweets that are incredible. Like, he has different stats that you would never think of. Um, He's a good follow. Like, one time we were talking about who are the best followers on Buff's Twitter, and I was honestly being serious when I said – to Ted and you that I thought Ted was one of the top five followers. Top five, top five, top five. Top five buffs followers on Twitter, so get on that ASAP. Um, Is he above Goose? <laughs> I don't know. Rank him. Uh, one me. <laughs> Actually, I can't even claim that anymore. Um, I, I can't be the best on Buffs Twitter. I'm terrible. I don't know. Zisk is really good. Zisk might be the best. Um, I, I can't. I, I'm not ranking on the spot. Ben Burroughs is up there. I haven't had time. To, and you should be reading Ben Burroughs, by the way, too. Uh, I read Ben Burroughs. Anyways, getting back. Whoever said 2001 is wrong. Um, the Buffs have played in multiple Big 12 championships since that game, including after that game. Was that the biggest game in a long time at the time? Of course. And it's the biggest win in a long time, probably. But, I mean, they did win a Big 12 championship after that game. So that's going. I so mean, 20 you're, years. You're getting, that's a, what do they call it, like, when you're two about now, I don't know. Whatever it is, like timeism. <laughs> timeism. The <laughs> timeism. That's, that's just a millennial take. Uh, but I even was kind of thinking this could be the biggest win in 20 years for the Buffs. But no, I mean, I mean they won a Big 12 championship, of right? Like, in the last 20 years, that's they went to a BCS bowl. Like that, that even that was a bigger game than any of the other games I've talked about. The Fiesta Bowl, I mean, of course, they lost it, but. That's probably the biggest game they've played in in all that time. So, this is the biggest game since when, then, for you? For me, it is Nebraska in 2010. Brian Cabral had just taken over the reins from Dan Hawkins, won two straight games, and had them rolling into Lincoln with a chance to go to a bowl game. Um, And, obviously, that's the last time the Buffs have had a chance to go to a bowl game. 
Now, if they win that, we could be talking about a very, very different scope of Colorado football. If they win that and go to a bowl game, I'm pretty confident Brian Cabral becomes the head coach of Colorado football. And who knows where we go from there. Um, a lot of a lot of things would be very different. I don't, you know, Mike McIntyre is not going to be here. Seth Alufau is probably not going to be here. Uh, or any of the, the ways that it's shaken out would be totally different than that. But in terms of the magnitude of a game, the um, what's on the line, to me that was the, big, the last time that there was this much on the line for a team. Before but I did like what Ted said, uh, which was Texas in 2008 which was kind of the last time they last chance they had to get onto a national radar with a win. Didn't win that one. I mean, this is national radar win. You win this game, they're, they're, are, they're already all talking about uh, the incredibly funny death chart. But you win this game, and all of a sudden people are talking about the real depth chart, the real guys on this team. Your use of incredible was funnier than the Buffs' usage of their depth <laughs> chart this week. Um but before we wrap up this segment, uh, the next segment we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to throw out our all-name teams. We're going to talk about the two recruits Tad uh, landed. Ryan, you were surprised. Are doing an all-name team this week? Maybe. I mean, maybe. We'll, maybe we'll do a, an all-name well, mentions. Well, you already said it. You got, okay. Okay. You got we'll, we'll do the all-name team. It was, it was a very revered segment last week. But I want to throw this out there. Uh, this came across Twitter. Australia? Question mark. Yeah, what's up with that? Um, was that was that even about bass? Was that about football or football. was that about bass? Because I was unsure. Colorado versus Arizona and Australia. Are the Buffs losing a home game? I don't know. Uh, I mean, if Arizona's losing a home game, sure. I'm not. I'm not okay with it. It's it's a. It's just a, why. What if Murray uh, comes Stop. in last second and gets <laughs> you to, gets you to Australia? I mean, I hey, I'm I'm down to go down under. I just think it's stupid, like. You know, make football American again. Okay. Uh, Ryan's take. Uh, we'll be right back on the BSN Buffs podcast with some more Buffs content. Euflora is the Apple store of cannabis with three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience. Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to eufloracolorado.com. That's eufloracolorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Life Flower Dispensary on Leedsdale serves medical and recreational until midnight. We are a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, we carry a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and we even carry glass too. Check out our menu at weedmaps.com for specific strains and price details. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, and 
Before we get into the all-name team, which is always a great way to end the podcast. The all-name team presented by Bryce Badwin Industries. Yes, banger of a segment, segment created by Bryce Badwin. Um, I got to start with Tad Boyle real quick. Tad Boyle lands two enormous recruits this Saturday. Overshadowed the football game, in my opinion. I would say they're just mid-sized. Mid-sized? <laughs> they're just big forwards. They're not enormous. Well, they're, they're not... They're not enormous by size, but enormous by talent. Uh, two four-stars, Deshaun Schwartz, the number one recruit from Colorado, and Tyler Bay, a top 25 recruit from California. Bay. 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 Uh, both top 100 recruits in the country, uh, according to some at least. Uh, Tyler Bay, fantastic defensive player. Deshaun Schwartz, uh, people have seen him around here. I've seen him play a few times. Really great offensive game, has off uh, – uh, very good offensive touch, uh, very very good uh, three-point shooting, and he kind of plays a similar way to James Harden I talked about in his recruiting article. He gets lost on the floor from time to time, but when he's impacting the game, he's by far the best player on the, in the, on the game and, or in the game. In the gym? In the gym. And watching him play, I know this will irk some people because Dominique Collier hasn't lived up to the hype so far in Colorado, but I've seen – Colorado high school basketball for about 10 years now and the best couple players I've seen are guys like Deshaun Schwartz uh, Dominique Collier and you know there are a few names in there too but Schwartz is right up there with the names that I've seen I saw Riley Grabo up close but Schwartz is definitely someone uh, a rare breed of player Deshaun Schwartz certainly a nice Jewish boy right I'm going to have to do some research into that <laughs> I don't think so but I might have to do some research into that um, yeah Tyler Tyler Bay to me, is almost like the essential Tad Boyle player. Uh, he can score. He's long. He's a wing. Left-handed, too. No, it's, it's the Schwartz who's Schwartz left-handed. is left-handed. Bay is the undersized one. Right. Yep. Um, he is a menace on the defensive side of the court. Um, the type of player that just makes Tad Boyle drool when he walks into a gym. And I've seen him see players like that. Um, there's just a certain lockdown mentality that players have. And he has it. Uh, and that's, I'm sure, what made Tad Boyle so excited about such a player. But I just the way that Tad Boyle has gotten the momentum back going, I've said it a million times, recruiting, especially in college basketball, man. I know college football is hard. College basketball recruiting is so tough. For Tad Boyle to do what he's done with this program, where he's getting four stars on a consistent basis every year, year in and year out, is nothing short of remarkable. And once again, I just really hope people don't take it for granted because those guys work their asses off. You know, this is something that came across my mind while I was in class today. Yes, I was daydreaming. It was Japanese history. I'm just more impressed that you were in class. Yeah, yeah. I have to go, Bob. But the thing I came across was if the Buffs somehow managed to beat Michigan and go to a bowl game this year, and kind of keep up that pace through next year where they're starting to go to bowls, which is, you know, a big thing to ask. They haven't gone to a bowl in a while. But, you know, where they start going to bowls and Colorado basketball keeps up the pace they're on, are we reaching perhaps another golden era of Colorado sports if this rise really does happen and Tad Boyle's able to keep this level of consistency with his program? 100%. I mean, that that will be another golden age of, of Colorado athletics. Uh, and I think uh, there's a certain guy who works in a corner office in the Champion Center who you have to thank for that. 
and I know that he's not the one who brought these coaches here, which is so hard to believe, kind of, uh, that, you know, Rick George is now having all this success, largely, with coaches that Mike Bode hired, but there's a different commitment in the athletic department, uh, and obviously that's shown by the Champion Center, like, is an actual uh, literal symbol of what Rick George has done for this athletic department. But, uh, you know, especially the turnaround of the football team will have to be accredited to him and his dedication to making Colorado great again. Making the Buffs great again, making CU great again. It's making the Buffs great again. But speaking no, it's of... it's make CU great again. It's make the Buffs great again. Why would it be that? Because it, it's make them... Make America great again. So make the, make the Buffs great again would be like... You're right. The United I'm wrong. States great I'm already again. wrong. <laughs> All right. But speaking of making things great again, we are out to make the BSN Buffs podcast great again. And one of the segments that was great and was I guess we're going to have to drop you and bring B-Bads back then. <laughs> I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm in agreement on that. I was a bigger fan of B-Bads than I am of myself on the podcast. <laughs> I listened to more podcasts when B-Bads was on it than I do now. I don't listen to the podcast. I post it. I listen to the podcast when B-Bads was on it. <laughs> Fan vote. Um, please vote B-Bads over <laughs> me. Uh, I'll campaign for him. Anyways, uh, one of the segments that did make the Buffs podcast great was all-name team, and we brought it back last week, but we're going to bring it back again this week uh, because it's a non-conference game. You don't know all of these names. So, Ryan, being my gracious uh, guest today on the BS. Yes. Yes, this is my podcast. I am the editor now. Wow, you just tried to kick yourself off of the podcast. And now I'm taking charge of the podcast. All right. This is called Shapiro Running the Show. Okay. You're giving me first pick? Yes, go for it. With the first pick of the Michigan all-name team draft, I would like to take – hang on. Stalling. He's stalling. Don't crash. I'm trying to find his spats. Uh – I'm going to take Eddie McDoom because that is so unbelievably metal. Um, you've got, like, Eddie Van Halen in there. You've got Doom in there. Eddie McDoom. I'm trying to find what his his numbers are here. Eddie McDoom, number 13, six-foot freshman wide receiver out of Winter Garden, Florida. That's a very he- heavy metal place, I think. Winter Garden, Florida. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Eddie McDoom in the whatever. Michigan Wolverines. Yes. It's on Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Eddie McDoom and the Wolverines would be a sick name for a band. Can we name our band that? Ted's a lead singer. We can have a band now. I can sing sing a little backup. I can manage. I'm Jewish. (laughs) Um, My first first pick in the all-name team is Michael Doomfor. I was thinking it was pronounced Dwumfor. Dwumfor. Like... Michael Dumfour. <laughs> Dumfour. He's a freshman from Wayne, New Jersey, DePaul Catholic, defensive tackle, 6'2", 300 pounds. And uh, he looks exactly how you would think he would look. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, he looks like you would you'd think he looks. All right. Um, with the second pick, this is, like, maybe the most Midwest name I could ever imagine. With my second pick... I would like to take number 38, a long snapper out of New Albany, Ohio, Cameron Cheeseman. <laughs> no way. No way. Oh, that's great. 
Um, all right, next pick in the all-name draft is mine. And, you know, I have a c- bunch of good names on this list, and there's some good food analogies on this one. But uh, I think my next one is going to be Jameson Offerdahl. <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, some way to make, like, a Colorado Rockies pun about David that, about Dahl. offering Dahl for Jameson. Um, Off- sophomore offensive t- or linebacker from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay, uh, with my third pick, how many picks are we going here? How many you got? I have a couple more on the list. All right, let's go four. four. Yeah. Okay. Where did he go? With my third pick, I would like to take fullback, 6-2 out of Detroit, DJ Khaled Hill. <laughs> no way. Wait, wait, what? How did I miss this one? His name is not DJ Khaled Hill. It's just Khaled Hill. Oh, my God, it is Khaled Hill. All he does is win. That's really good. That bodes bad for the buffs. Um, what if we should get DJ? What if he has like a Snapchat, like, like DJ, like Khaled Hill Snapchat or whatever, and he just like he does, does the same thing. Yeah. Is, can someone confirm or deny if DJ Khaled is still at it on Snapchat? I think he is still at it because like the VMAs did a whole thing. How long ago was that? Like two, three weeks ago. So he really is still. Do you think he still does the same same routine every day? Like going up and down the elevator going bless up bless down <laughs> or like watering the flowers yeah he had a whole commercial that he shot on snapchat wow yeah it was like a nike commercial too it was something like big uh next one for the all name draft uh you know we're a big fan of true hours ah that was the one that was mine I gotta go with True Wilson. Spelled T R U. True. I, was, I literally wrote him down on my thing as True Wilson Hours. <laughs> True Wilson. I have a great tweet for this. You, by the time you've heard this, you've probably seen that tweet. All right, with my final pick, I would like to take Elsie uh, Bembasi. Elsie Bembasi. On my list as well. Linebacker, 6'3, 215 pound freshman out of. Ellenwood, Georgia. Okay, I'm also going to go with the hyphenated name to follow you. Juwan Bushnell Beattie. Yes, Bushnell. Bushnell. Juwan Bushnell Beattie. I often make up names and add letters. This time I dropped a few letters. All right, you got any uh, honorable mentions? Yes. Jabril Peppers. Great player. Tyrone Weedy. And Joseph Flies. Obviously, we purposely left Jake Butt out because he was too mainstream. Uh, we it would like have been the butt mainstream. of all of our jokes. Yes, exactly. Uh, Diamante Thomas, I like. Um, Karan, Karan Higdon. They've got two Drakes, Drake Johnson and Drake Harris. Ron Johnson, I just like. Like he seems That's like very Midwest, very like '90s football with like a mustache. I feel like more people need to bring back like '90s and '70s looks. Like it's happening in baseball a little bit right now, but. Yeah, uh, John O'Corn, like that's very Midwest. So you could have had a team with John O'Corn and Cameron Cheeseman, and you denied it. Oh wow! I honestly am just now seeing John O'Corn, uh, Channing Stribling. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. Uh, anyways, I think that's gonna wrap up oh, BSN. Kakoa Crawford kind of reminds me of the Cucumbas in Hardball, one of the best baseball movies of all time. <laughs> the BSN Buffs podcast for the week. He is Ryan Koningsberg. I am Jake Shapiro. Thanks for joining us. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Ryan Koningsberg. I'm at Chapalicious. Follow the entire brand, the whole brand, at BSN Buffs on Twitter. 
or on bsndenver.com. That's the entire brand. Well, that's what I was leading into. The whole brand in Spano. Brand. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday morning. Uh, if you're going to Michigan, shoot us a few pictures of you uh, enjoying your day Saturday. Love to see them. Love to see what the big house looks like. Uh, we'll definitely retweet some of them. So uh, be involved with us through the weekend, and stay tuned to all the content. Content. See you Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Oh yeah. Never change. This this CU Michigan Twitter feud is might actually be worse than the stupid depth chart thing. <laughs>